how would your life change if you became an exceptional communicator? You know, the biggest problem I have with this industry is exactly what you talked about at the beginning of the episode around glassophobia, right? The fear of communication. For those who don't know, that's just a medical term for fear. And it's always around stress and anxiety. And that's the problem. That, that right there is the problem with our industry, Brent, where a lot of the thought leadership is always focused on fear. Fear this, anxiety this, stress that. We're not going to get better that way. So for me, the question now becomes, in the same way that we dream about our businesses, about our careers, about our health, about our relationships, about the material things we want to buy, a house, a car, a watch, how can we dream about our communication skills? How do we dream about a life in which, wait a second, if I did these three exercises, even if it's alone in my basement with nobody else watching me, how would it change my life and the people? Here's the million dollar question. How do men like us reach our full potential, grow into the men we dream of being while taking care of our responsibilities, working, being good husbands, fathers, and still take care of ourselves? Well, that's the big question. In this podcast, we'll help you answer those questions and more. My name is Brent, and welcome to the Fallible Man Podcast. Welcome to the Fallible Man Podcast, your home for all things man, husband, and father. Big shout out to Fallible Nation. You guys make this all possible. And a warm welcome to our first-time listeners. Would you believe it if I told you that the number one fear for people is actually called glossophobia, and it's the fear of public speaking, not just on stage, but actually being singled out in a, where there's any kind of crowd watching you and observing like in a team meeting or a social group. In fact, the group Toastmasters that teaches people how to speak often joke about people fear public speaking more than death. So just imagine at the next funeral you attend that the guy giving you all you the eulogy, if I can say that word, would rather be in the coffin than giving the eulogy. My name is Brent and today my special guest is communication coach and YouTuber Brennan from Master Talk. And today we hope to help you take the first steps into overcoming that fear so that you can be the best version of yourself. Brennan, welcome to the show. Hey, it's great to be on, Brent. Thanks for having me on. Now, Brennan, I don't do huge introductions on my guests because that just doesn't tell people who you are. So in your own words, who is Brennan? Yeah, for sure. It's great to be here. So I would say for me, the, the story started, Brent, when I was in college. I was in university and business school. And that's where I learned communication. But the goal for me wasn't to be a speaker or a YouTuber or an entrepreneur. My goal is actually to be an accountant. That's what I studied in, funny enough. So that's what I did my studies in. But I competed in these things called taste competitions. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So while other guys my age were playing basketball or rugby or baseball, I wasn't one of those guys. I did presentations competitively. And that's how I learned how to speak. But then as I got older, Brent, I started coaching a lot of the students on how to communicate ideas effectively. And I accidentally got good at coaching it. And that gave me the idea for the YouTube channel Master Talk because I felt that everything that I was sharing with them wasn't really available for free on the internet. So I just started making videos and then a few years later turned to something I never could have imagined. All right. Well, then, you know, this is this should be an easy softball question start out if you could have a conversation with one person in history past present or future living or dead who would it be and why i would have a conversation with peter Thiel, who's the author of the book zero to one 
and he's the founder of both PayPal and Palantir. I think the guy's an exceptional thought leader, and he's what we call in the thought leadership industry as a contrarian, somebody who always zags when everyone zigs. And he has this great question in his book, which is, what is the truth that you believe in that most people disagree with you on? So what's something you believe to be true about the world that most people think is wrong? And I think that's a really fascinating question. So I would love to have dinner with him to get his other list of questions. That's actually the, the whole point of the dinner. He's just really hard to get access to. The dude is rather incredible. I assume he's a nightmare to try and get in front of. Uh, you get you get to that level and man, getting in front of those people is really, really complex. Now, were you afraid of public speaking or when you started or did it come naturally as you were doing these? Uh, I love the nerd competition. That, that's hilarious. But were you a natural speaking or, or did you have issues with speaking to start with? I'm pretty sure I was a natural, but I didn't believe I was for most of my life. So what does that mean? So I grew up in Montreal in Canada, Brent, which is a city, for those who don't know, where you need to know how to speak French, which is a language I didn't know. So my whole life, not only did I struggle with communication, I was presenting in a language I didn't even know. So I'd look at the crowd and go, uh, bonjour? That was my life. The second thing is, for those who don't know, I have a crooked left arm. And the reason is because of a surgery I had when I was younger. So I have a lot of social anxiety in the past whenever I'd get up in a classroom because people would notice that my left arm isn't straight. And it always bothered me when I would share ideas. And then the third piece is you would think that a guy who studied in, you know, in communications, a guy who was in a communication expert studied in the same thing. Yeah, I graduated the bachelor's in accounting. So I pretty much had every strike against me. So, yes, I was sure for most of it. And then I learned later. Okay. So you had your own growth through this. So you're not just coaching people on it as a good speaker. That's Because uh, I had to ask, right? I'm very comfortable speaking in front of people, but I grew up doing it. And so I, I was curious where, where that story started for you, because it's one of those things when someone who's never struggled with it says, oh, yeah, this, like I would never tell somebody public speaking is easy because I've been doing it such, so much of my life that it's always just been part of my life. Like I started speaking in front of crowds of up to 200 people at 11 years old. So wow. it's just my, my father was a minister and I was expected to be up front helping. So I kind of fell into it. So I wouldn't tell somebody that because I've never had that fear. But coming from someone who actually struggled with it, that, that's awesome because you can identify with your clients really well. And that's very cool. You got it. I think that's why I'm so passionate about this. It's like, well, if, if this kid like literally went from being scared of communication to coaching some of the biggest CEOs in the world, like I'm sure everybody on earth could be a great speaker. It's just the problem, Brent is there's no structure, there's no framework on how to approach it. So I brought that into the industry and, and it's gotten good results so far. So Brennan, why do you think people struggle so much? I mean, it is funny doing the research for the show because public speaking ranks up up there above death, above spiders and spiders are just pure evil anyway. But you know, it ranks way above these things that people commonly think about. Why are, why are people afraid of public speaking? I've asked myself this question for many years, Brent, and I think I have a good explanation. It's common sense if you think about it. Where do we learn how to give formal presentations? The answer is the education system. High school, elementary school, that's where we learn how to speak. But there's three problems there, Brent. Number one, all of those presentations are mandatory. 
you don't wake up in the morning and say, hey, Brent, you want to get breakfast and present all day? Says nobody ever. So that's problem one. Problem two is none of the presentations you give in the education system are tied to a passion. So it's never, hey, Brent, what are you passionate about? Are you passionate about books, nature, adventure, podcasting, media? No, that's not how the ad system works. It's, yeah, you got to give a presentation on Shakespeare and poetry and figure it out. And you're like, uh, okay. So it's not really fun either. And then number three, which is actually the worst of it all, every presentation is tied to a punishment. So if you don't do a great job, not only do you not get a pat on the back, you get a slap in the face. You lose 25% of your grade and your dreams of being a doctor, an engineer, a scientist go down the drain with it because you don't have the grades to get into the next school. So what's the punchline, Brent? The punchline is we grow up believing that communication is a chore. So it becomes one and nobody wants to get better at doing the dishes. I've never thought about it like that, but that makes a whole lot of sense. Now, I came across this quote that you have while I was doing the research for the show, and I, and I love it, but I have questions. So the quote is, I believe the next Elon Musk is a seven-year-old girl who can't afford a communication coach. So it's my duty to help her succeed with free resources. Where does that sense of responsibility to the upcoming generations in the world come from? Great question. I would say for me, Brent, it didn't start that way. Let's put it there. Let's start there. So for me, when I was 12 to 22, my only focus was trying to make money. It's because I didn't have a lot of it. My parents were factory workers. So I chose to be an accountant. That was my goal. I didn't care whether I was happy doing it. I didn't think about the word passion. That didn't make sense for somebody from my family because I'm the first person to graduate from my from a university. Right. So for me, it was just like, no, like, let's get a great education. Let's get a great job and be done with it. I wasn't thinking about saving the world yeah, until maybe three to four years ago. And then what happened is in my pursuit of finding that job in accounting or in consulting, I stumbled upon case competitions and I saw that as my ticket out of poverty. OK, if I do case competitions, those executives will give me a job because I was a great communicator and then I'll start making money. That was the goal. But then when I started finding success, I worked at PwC and then I worked at IBM for a few years, I realized that even if I loved the companies and the culture, I was realizing an important lesson, which is my time is actually infinitely more valuable than my money because I don't have a lot of time. So then, of course, I invested a lot into myself, did a lot of personal growth to kind of find the truth. And I just realized that, wait a second, I should be figuring out what to do with my time, not my money. And I started asking myself the harder questions of life. I said, what's all of this for? What's the point of all of this? And in that journey, I ended up realizing through a series of events that being the next Dale Carnegie ended up being my new North Star, primarily because nobody on earth was doing it. Nobody was sharing free resources with you know, for, for the community. A lot of people in my industry, they just pitch all the time. And I'm just like, wait a second. No, this is the most important skill in the world. And the only knowledge we have right now is in books, right? How to win friends and influence people, things like that. And I said, what if I could be that person? And that's what gave me the excitement for life that I was craving after I finished university. And I went full swing ahead. Okay. Totally, totally just off, off kilter. Let me ask, is there a book in the future? 
One day, one day. I'm not ready to write it yet because my platform isn't big enough. And I don't think I'm skilled enough either because I really want to make it really, really good. But the other piece as well that I want to jump into, Brett, is I think the reason why I'm so passionate about that specific avatar, like the seven-year-old girl who can't afford a communication coach that Mm -hmm. I forgot to add on to, is because I know them. Right? I do a lot of pro bono work for Technovation, a lot of other philanthropic endeavors. And when I'm coaching them, I see the fear in their eyes. Right, They have their red faces on. Nobody's telling them they can be a great speaker. They're really worried about presentations until I come in the picture and I'm like giving them high fives and I'm saying, of course you can be a great speaker. And that's what really motivated me to realize that there isn't million Brendans here. There's only me. So I need like it's not like oh I could no like I need to actually create this get on the podcast do the YouTube videos or else there will be no placeholder there will be no poster child of somebody to follow as a role model in this field so I figured that person should be me I absolutely love that that's that's amazing brother right there I'm just blown away uh, I'm very passionate about men stepping up as role models and mentors for younger people and so that's that's amazing that that's a deep passion for you that's incredible so thank you thank you for that i appreciate it man. um so let's let's start to get into this a little bit why should people step into the uncomfortable and learn to communicate publicly right the reason brent is because it affects every area of our life so for me public speaking is not about getting on a stage that's one part of the game it's the way that we raise our children. It's the way that we become a better father, right, for our kids. It's the way that we make new friends. It's the way that we order food at a restaurant and make the waiter feel like they're really important because everyone else in that restaurant isn't that isn't treating them that well. That's what communication is for me. That's why I call it a, it's about fulfilling your life. But the other piece to communication is that I really believe in this idea, Brent, that communication is an accelerant of dreams. It doesn't matter what the dream is. Communication helps you get there faster. That's why I always ask people to think of these three questions. One, what do you desire in life? What do you want in life? Is it to be a father? Is it to be a better brother? Is it to be a big business owner, a podcast host like you, right? A media guy. What is the goal? That's question one. Careers. Question two. Who already has what you want? Who is someone that already has the goals that you want as men? And then the third question that we never think to ask ourselves, Brad, is the person that has what we want, whether it's the big business, the amazing family, the outstanding career, what kind of communicator are they? And what is the gap between us and them? And when we start to really ponder on those questions, we figure out, which I believe is the real number one challenge of communication. And I don't think it's fear. I think fear is number two. I think number one is motivation because there's a lot of things in our life that we're scared of, but that we do anyways. Why? Because we're motivated enough to do it. And we just don't have that motivation for comms. Okay. That's sorry. There's a lot to unpack and I'm I'm just absorbing as you're talking, man. Uh, That's, it is communication is about everything. And that, that's why I try to say in the introduction as well, we're not just talking about speaking on stage, guys. You you don't ever have to speak on stage. There's nothing wrong with that. 
but you need to feel comfortable enough communicating to share ideas, to talk to that person at the office or speak up in that team meeting to share with people you encounter in your life. There, there are amazing things that you have to offer the world and you need to be able to share that. So this is so important. Now, how does being able to communicate better in public improve our lives? Absolutely, Brent. I'm glad you you jumped in with that question because I had that thought as well. Let me give a simple one that has nothing to do with speaking on a stage that I think every person listening to this can relate to. How do you communicate boundaries to the people around you? And a lot of men especially, since this podcast is focused on that demo, are terrible at this, Brent. Like, it's horrible. So let me give you an example. There's two ways of communicating a boundary. Very general, which is bad, and very specific, which is much better. Example. Let's say I say I need more alone time. Okay, what does more alone time mean? Does that mean you want to sleep in a cave for three weeks and I can't text you? Does that mean an hour a day to read your book because you want some alone time in the morning? Does that mean you want to take a day off from your family on a Saturday and just be with the boys at night? Like, what what does alone time mean? So this this singular sentence, five letter, like literally sentence, I need more alone time can be misinterpreted a hundred different ways versus commuting something really specific, which is, hey, let's say, let's say it's a significant other. Hey, babe, I would love one hour in the morning to read my book because it really helps me clear my mind and show up better for our family so that we can create a better future together. Is there any way that you can work with me on this to support this goal? Notice how the way that I'm construing those words is making it way more specific. And now we're adding the why component. So your partner obviously wants to support you in the way you're coming off with your message. So that's just an example of how that changes your life and why I never get into any arguments with my mother or my sister. <laughs> you're wise beyond your years, sir. Wise beyond your years. It's out of necessity, Brent. Don't worry. Oh, I, I imagine. Uh, my mother, my le- mother lives with my wife and I, my father passed about a year and a half ago now. And my mom lives with us and helps out around the house with my kids and stuff. But my, my kids are always blown away because I still like don't argue with my mom. And I still, <laughs> I feel that energy from you. You seem to be very good at it for sure. And they're, they're like, you wouldn't let us get anyone else get away with that. It's because she's my mom. And there's this, there's this boundary. I threw a cup towel across the room and hit her in the shoulder with it the other day. And both my kids and my wife all went, (gasps) like the shock in the room that I threw a towel at her was, (laughs) (laughs) you don't do that to mom. I misheard that. I thought you said tiles. Like you threw a tile at your mom. I was like, oh, towel. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. That would be bad. That makes way more sense. Yeah, for sure. Guys, we've been trying to get to know Brennan a little bit, and we're going to focus on, on why you should overcome your fear of public speaking, where that comes from. In the second half of the show, we're going to get into how to practically work at overcoming the fear of public speaking or just talking in general. We're going to roll out our sponsor, and we will be right back with more from Brennan. Now, before we go any further, I wanted to share with you guys, I don't always tell you how much I love doing my podcast. Like, I passionately love what I'm doing. And one of the things that makes my life better as a podcaster is to work with a company like Grow Your Show. 
Grow Your Show is a one-stop podcast do it all. Now, I use Grow Your Show for my marketing, but Grow Your Show is literally a one-stop shop. You can record your episode and just drop it off with them and they take it from there. It's amazing. If you are interested in picking up podcasting as a hobby, or maybe you're looking to expand your business and use podcasting in that aspect, talk to my friends over at Grow Your Show. Adam will take care of you, I guarantee it. I trust him, he's my friend, he's my business colleague, and I wouldn't trust anybody else with my show. And we're back guys, we're here with Brennan from Master Talk discussing how to overcome your fear of public speaking. And we're not just talking about on stage guys, we're talking about the way you interact in everyday life with other individuals, whether that's a group of your friends or a work group or just the people you're talking to at a restaurant. Now, Brennan, before we roll heavy into that, because I know a lot of people are waiting for this part, what purchase of $100 or less did you make in the last year that's had the biggest impact on your life? Ah, I usually get the purchase question, but not with the $100 restriction. Huh? $100 or less. I'll say something a little bit cheesy. The best investment I made this year that was less than 100 bucks was to buy a Santa hat. And the reason is because I put it on my head and I send video holiday messages to all of my clients, wishing them all happy holidays with my stupid hat on. And they love it. <laughs> so that would be the answer I would give you. Okay. You know, it's, it's amazing. I like to ask that question mainly because it is so personal, right? It's very individual and it gives people ideas, right? What, what can I do now? The hundred dollar restraint gets a lot of people though. I, I laugh because a lot I of need to rethink that one. Yeah. The hundred dollar one. So in doing research for the show, I came across a model you use and will you tell us about love letters for speaking anxiety? For sure. Absolutely. So, one way to help us, there's many tools here to help us, and that's the first one, to alleviate our anxiety is let's start with talking more. Talking more says that your why generally starts with the who, the who behind your message. So what you want to do is you want to write a one-page love letter to that person and why you're creating impact for that person. And it's a little bit emotional, but it really helps intertwine you with the demographic that you're trying to serve. So, for example, in my letter to the seven-year-old girl who can't afford a communication coach, I won't recite the whole letter, but it's a, a big focus around protecting her, right? Protecting the people who can't protect themselves. So it's a big reminder for me that every day I get lazy, every day I get complacent, and I don't show up 10 out of 10 in my interviews or on a podcast or in my YouTube channel. I'm always reminded of that girl that nobody else is serving. So it really brings that fire back. Yeah, sure, I might feel a little anxiety, but my motivation is way more important and my willingness to serve is actually way more important as well to that person. And the other piece I would encourage everyone to think about, Brent, when it comes to the love letter exercise is don't overthink the format because the questions I usually get around it is, you know, what, how, how should we start? What should be the middle? What should be the end? Don't even worry about that. I would just get a blank piece of paper and just speak your heart out. Don't worry about whether it's perfect. Don't overthink it. I think the process of just doing that will really give you that momentum that you need to get the ball rolling. I have to ask what kind of people are writing love letters and have they ever actually done it before? Because I never worried about formats when I was writing my wife before we got married. <laughs> it wasn't a structure. It is not like when I'm planning an actual speech. There was no beginning, middle, end. It, it was so maybe they've never written love letters. 
let's just say I get questions about everything. You know, I think I think the challenge that most of us have as human beings that we fortunately can learn from children, because I think children don't have this problem, is that we overthink things too much. Wait, let me give you an example with, uh, well, I know we're going to talk about this at the end, but let's say video messages, right? So a lot of questions I get around video messages is like, what should the structure be? How long should it be? What lighting should I have? How many times should I retake it? And the answer is just, you should just do it. Like, don't retake it. Open your phone. I don't care if you're in your basement. You could have a hoodie on. Just do it. Because most people don't even send a video message. And that's really the key. <laughs> that's, that's the YouTuber me doing that. I was creating a video testimonial for someone. I'm like, what position do you want me in? Do you want me well lifted? You just talk. I'm like... <laughs> standing in the middle of my studio going no that doesn't feel right <laughs> I, I i've invested way too much in having a certain no no we, we just want you to talk it's like uh, that doesn't feel right i'm not sure so i i get that right you you want to set a certain but just just doing it now i i love the idea of the love letters because that just lets you dig into the who and the why so deeply for yourself, right? That becomes very intimate and personal. I could see just the idea of crafting that out. In fact, I may do that after we finish recording just because like write a love letter to my audience because that's something I haven't done yet. And it's, it's like, that's a that's a really deep idea because you get very, I, I oh man, I'm excited. I'm going to get done with this. I'm going to have all kinds of homework now. <laughs> now, most people hear really stupid things like, Picture your audience naked and in black socks. People used to tell me that all the time, right? Not just naked, but in black socks. And you had to have the oddity in there. How do you coach people to handle being put on display, so to say, pub more public speaking? Absolutely, Brent. So, so let me start with this. What you've brought up is literally the reason why I was so confident that I had something remotely interesting to share, even if I had a ton of insecurity when I started Master Talk. Because my immediate counter to that thought, which I'm sure you'd agree with, is nobody takes logic further. What if they're attractive? Then what do you do? <laughs> do you just stare at them? Like, so notice how that makes no sense. Like it creates a ton of logical things and it doesn't, it, it doesn't help us get better. So here's what I would say. It's momentum that gets built over time. So going back to my analogy, communication is like juggling 18 balls at the same time, where one ball is eye contact, one of them is body language, one of them is storytelling, and the list goes on. For me, the question now becomes, what are the three easiest balls to juggle? So through those balls, what happens is that momentum gets built up over time. So going back to your question around display, well, how do we overcome that? For me, the question is always, how do we do the harder thing? So that feels like a joke. So if we're on display, that automatically implies that we're giving a presentation that we generally know the subject in, and we had time to practice beforehand, and we might have time to actually talk to the audience a few minutes before. So for me, the question now becomes, how do we do exercises where you can't prepare the topic, where you don't know the audience beforehand at all, and you have no time to practice, or you might not even know what you're supposed to talk about? like the random word exercise where you pick a random or like lip balm or computer and you give random presentations out of thin air. And that really helps you alleviate your stress for those bigger moments when you're on display. Okay. So look past the situation to a worse situation. I, I've, I've gotten like 
ambushed onto this before several times actually i've walked into events i used to be a youth minister i've literally walked into events and had people be like hey can you do this part of the yeah sure when, when is that on the schedule in like 10 minutes okay so as a youth minister i actually kept a sermon a bible class and a devotional like folded up in my bible anywhere i went somewhere just because i knew i was going to get ambushed if i showed up with some of these things but i actually struggled making the change over to talking to a camera because i couldn't make the eye contract contact i always find that one person in the audience that you can just look at them and like you know that you're glad that you're there and i i find that one person and it's like okay I'm going to look at you anytime I start to struggle or feel like I'm and with the camera, right? It, it got so difficult for me starting out trying to look at a camera because I can't read the room. And so I, I always thought speaking in person was actually a little easier than speaking virtually for sure. But it's imagining harder. That's, that's a little scary. There's, there's definitely some, fear there now guys if you're getting anything out of this be sure click the like button do all the good social media nonsense leave us comments blah 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 you know i hate this part i do respond to all of the comments guys i really care what you guys say reach out to us let us know what you think of this and what you're going to apply what you're taking away from this and how are you going to apply it in your life i'd love to know and we're going to have contact information for Brennan at the end of the show so you can reach out and get more from him and also just follow up with him as well. Now, I was looking and I have to ask, what is your advice for introverts? Because Sarah's in the background engineering, as you know, and she's an introvert. Talking in front of people is not her thing. And there are a lot of introverts out there. Absolutely. Great question, Brent. So here's what I would say. I actually kind of flipped the question on its head when I got the introvert question, because 70 to 80% of the people I work with are introverts. And what I always say is you got to triple down your strengths. You just don't know what they are. So let's walk us through them. So the first one is pausing. Pausing is the most important skill set in communication. It's literally the base. So if you don't know how to pause to emphasize key points of your message, it's going to be really hard for you to get people excited about your message. But here's the punchline. The punchline, Brent, is that introverts have a very easy time pausing when you help them practice a few times. And the reason is because they're already comfortable in silence because they spend less time talking. So it's easy for them to pause, easier, relatively speaking. Extroverts like me, I'm an extra extrovert, as you can probably tell by now in this conversation, is I hate pausing. It took me a long time to master this because when we're at a party, we're at an event and there's a pause. I want to ask you what your favorite color is to save the space. Like, Brent, is it yellow? Is it blue? And I just want to keep the conversation going. Whereas an introvert won't have that problem. That's one. Number two, listening. Listening is so important in communication. And guess what? Introverts are exceptional listeners. Why? Because they spend less time talking. So because they're talking less, it's easier for them to listen to your ideas, ask you powerful questions, and adapt the message of their speech back to their audience more effectively than next her. Whereas me, I'm always yapping all the time, like I'm doing right now. I'm always talking, 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 talking. So because of that, it took me many years to get really good at listening. I had to really force myself, Brent, to get at this level. 
but it was a much uphill it was a much bigger uphill battle than let's say an introvert would number three and this is not well known introverts are a lot more accessible as communicators than extroverts are let me give you the ultimate example gary vaynerchuk the ceo and founder of vaynermedia I'm a big fan of his work, so this is not an insult by any means. But you either really love the guy or you really don't. So you either look at Gary Vee and you go, wow, he's amazing. He's the best, like me. Big fan. Love the work that he's done. Or you go, yeah, I really don't like him. He's always swearing all the time. He's always rude. <laughs> but here's the thing, Brent. Nobody says that about Brene Brown. Nobody goes, nobody has uttered the following sentence in the history of humanity. I hate Brene Brown. If you say that, the FBI will come after you, the CIA, the SWAT team. They'll arrest everybody and they'll take all, anyways, you get the, the point. So what's the idea here? As an introvert, you're more accessible, you're a much better listener, and you know how to pause. So triple down your strengths because you're a lot better than you think. Okay. Okay. Oh. I didn't expect to laugh quite that much. That was great. I try to make it entertaining, right? That's the <laughs> other point of master talk. Communication content is usually so boring. That's why I try to spice it up a little. I, I'm I'm digging it because it is. It's uh you you do any kind of speaking training and you're like, this really sucks. This is yeah. So totally, totally with you on that one. So how can we practice our communication in a non-threatening way? In a non-threatening way, do you mean like, um, let me think about that. So non-threatening way would be when we're speaking like in a boardroom, we don't want to offend people. Is that what you're saying? You're coming no, no, sorry. Uh, sorry. No, I didn't clarify that well. You're all good. No, in a way that is not threatening for us, right? How do we practice this? In a oh. way we don't feel the pressure as much so we can actually give some practice of this. I gotcha. And thanks for that, Sarah, as well in the chat. I gotcha. For us, not threatening. I thought we were, we were not, not to threaten other people. I got a little confused there. Okay, so 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 here's what I would say. So this is actually a great place to actually talk about our easy threes here. So the easy threes are the random word exercise, the question drill, and the video messages. So let's break each of those three things down, Brent. So the first one is the random word exercise. We talked about this a little bit briefly, where we take a random word like trophy, like master, like talk, like ceiling, and cre create random presentations out of thin air. So this exercise serves two purposes. One, it helps us deal with uncertainty because life is filled with it. For example, when you go meet somebody at an event, you have no idea how that conversation is going to go. Or you don't know how people are going to speak, what questions that will be asked. So if you talk about avocados for 30 seconds, you can handle that small talk a lot better. And the second piece that I teach my clients that you can write down a piece of paper, everyone, is if you could make sense out of nonsense, you could make sense out of anything. So now going back to your question, Brent, this is not something you have to do in front of an audience, to your point. Like, how do we communicate in a way that's non-threatening for us, that's safe, that's easy? Do this at home. Do this alone in your basement because more practice or doing it is better than not doing it. Then you could do it with one or two people and build up your confidence, but you can literally do this with nobody watching. That's one. The second exercise is the question drill. So the question drill just implies that we get asked questions all the time in our life, Brent, at school, at work, on a podcast. But most of us 
are reactive to those questions. We're not proactive. Let me give you a funny example of this. When I started guesting on shows a few years ago, I sucked. And even today, I kind of had some problems, so I'm still working on it. But back then, I was a lot worse. And I remember some guy asked me the funniest question, Brett. He said, where does the fear of communication come from? So obviously, today, I had a much better answer. But back then, I looked at the guy and I said, I don't know, man. Los Angeles, San Diego, you tell me. I don't know. So what did I do to fix this? Every single day for five minutes, Brent. I would write down one question and I would answer it about communication. So day one was how do you overcome your fear of communication? Day two was what's your tips for introverts? Day three was how do you present better on camera? But if you do that five minutes a day, once again, you could do this alone with nobody else watching you. You do it for a year, you'll have answered 365 questions about your industry and you'll be unbeatable. And then finally, number three, when you build up the courage after you do one and two, just make a list of five people you love the most in your life, especially as men. I find we don't do this enough. And just send the people around you, your wife, your daughter, your cousin, your clients, and send them a 20-second gratitude video message to say, hey, I really appreciate everything that you've done for me this year. Wishing you and everyone around you happy holidays. And that's it. So simple. Nobody does it. I love the random videos. Uh, the second point, right? Just just the idea of the level that could move you in your industry is incredible. Answering one question about your industry every day, that that's just, that, that goes beyond communication to just success. Mm -hmm. If you're the guy who has all the answers, who knows the answers to those questions, you're just unstoppable at that point. Um, so that, that has a, a double purpose to it. That's just an incredible thought process just to run through that. It's like, wow, that's, you would have so, I've, I've been podcasting for 27 months or so at the time of this recording. And I, I know my industry pretty well, but I know I have room to grow in everything, but just the idea of doing that to a practice answering questions and B, make myself really know my industry better. That's just like a, a one-two punch. That's incredible. I'm glad you enjoy that, Brent. Yeah, that's that's actually the secret behind my success. Obviously, we're not going to hide it. I'm not the oldest guest you've had on your show. <laughs> so the reason that I've been – because my average client's 20 years older than me, right? Mm -hmm. So why do they trust me with their transformation? It's because I rep the question drill, and I'm practicing it right now. Cause I just got asked maybe 10 or 15 questions in an hour, mm -hmm. which is more question drill to the extreme where you're practicing a lot, but I've done this thousands of times, thousands of times. So when you do this, you're able to accelerate, you're able to shortcut your growth in the industry and go another quote, actually we didn't talk about that people can write down as well. That I think symbolizes your point as well around success is the following. If you communicate 20% better than your competition, you will stand out 100% of the time. So it's not about doing everything. It's about realizing, Brent, that most people who are listening to this podcast, unfortunately, might write down the random word exercise, might write down the video message, might write down the question drill, but very few of them will actually do all three every single day consistently. 
That's why Alex Hermosi says that the goal is not to do the extraordinary thing, but rather realize that the growth and the success lies in doing the ordinary thing for an extraordinarily long period of time. And that's what I would challenge your audience to think about. Book 15 minutes in your calendar every single day and just do this every day. I think it was uh, Michael Jordan who said he threw 200 free throws every night after practice before he left the court. I, I try and teach my daughter. She's like, you know, it's not about the fancy sometimes. Sometimes it's about doing the basic skills so well that you're just unstoppable. Now, Brendan, before we wrap up, what is the most important thing you want somebody to hear today to take out of this whole conversation? Absolutely, Brent. Thanks so much for having me on. This is so much fun. I would say for me, the biggest takeaway is a question that would encourage your audience to think about. And the question is, how would your life change if you became an exceptional communicator? You know, the biggest problem I have with this industry is exactly what you talked about in the beginning of the episode around glassophobia, right? The fear of communication. For those who don't know, that's just a medical term for fear. And it's always around stress and anxiety. And that's the problem. That, that right there is the problem with our industry, Brent, where a lot of the thought leadership is always focused on fear. Fear this, anxiety this, stress that. We're not going to get better that way. So for me, the question now becomes, in the same way that we dream about our businesses, about our careers, about our health, about our relationships, about the material things we want to buy, a house, a car, a watch, how can we dream about our communication skills? How do we dream about a life in which, wait a second, if I did these three exercises, even if it's alone in my basement with nobody else watching me, how would it change my life and the people around me? Start to dream a little bit more about your communication skills because you'll realize really quickly that communication isn't just about making a little bit extra money every year. It's about the way that you raise your children. It's about the way that you talk to your family. It's about the way that you make new friends. And more importantly, it's about the way that you lead a more fulfilling life. So that's my final thought. What is next for Brendan? Yeah, I would say for me, what's next, man? You know, I'm super fortunate. I, I was able to, to get some level of success this relative to my age. So I'd say now the focus is really scaling scaling the YouTube channel so I can really impact a lot more lives, scaling the coaching practice, scaling the media, and then eventually writing the book in the next five, 10 years. That's what's on my mind too. But like everyone else, I don't have all the answers either. So I have my coach helping me figure out what are the next moves after that. But I think I'll be good for the next five years vision-wise. I love the motivation and the way you said it, right? A lot of people, because I have a YouTube channel, it's small, but a lot of people want to go to YouTube because they think they can get rich or whatever. Your words were so I can impact more people. And I, I absolutely love that, man. That That's, that's awesome. Where is the best place for people to find you? For sure, Brent. So two ways to keep in touch and thanks for the kind words as well. So the first part is definitely the YouTube channel. Just go to master talk and you'll have access to hundreds of free videos on how to communicate ideas effectively. And the second way to keep in touch is to attend one of my free communication workshops over Zoom. I do a free one over every two weeks. And you can see a lot of my tips applied in person. Not Well, not in person, but live while I'm on the Zoom call. So if you want to jump in on that free call, go to rockstarcommunicator.com. 
Guys, if you're watching this on YouTube, we've got it up on the screen. As always, we will have links to connect with Brennan, including this one in the show notes or the description, whatever platform you're listening to or watching this on. And we want you to be able to find him. Like I was talking to him earlier. I, I love his Instagram. His Instagram is awesome. You guys need to get over there and follow his Instagram. He's got a lot of great little videos over there. They're quick. They're easy to the point. And like, I was actually like just going, man, like one video after the other for a while. While I was researching today. I was like, wow, an Instagram that's actually worth watching. So <laughs> valuable content uh, to the world there. Instagram is not where I normally go for valuable insights and content uh so i love what you're doing with that with your instagram guys as always be better tomorrow because of what you do today and we'll see you on the next one this has been the fallible man podcast your home for everything man husband and father be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a show head over to www.thefallibleman.com for more content and get your own fallible man gear.